Most of you have never heard me preach. That's because you haven't been in my junior worship. I've been in uh, Gospel Baptist Church since April of 2004. Um, Brother Todd Whiff and his wife left not long after that. He took a job, and I became fifth grade Sunday school teacher. Mr. Motes and I have done that for quite some time extensively, and now we've joined our Sunday school classes together, and Mrs. Nelson and I teach fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and right now we're going through the book of the Revelation with fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. That's a challenge. <laughs> but the Bible says specifically about the book of the Revelation that there's a blessing for those who read and hear the prophecy of this book. So I figured if it's good enough for the Bible to say so, it's good enough for my Sunday school class to at least come and hear what the Bible says. We've been talking about some crazy things, and I've asked him, have you ever looked at any science fiction movies and ever seen anything on a science fiction movie that actually is anything near what the Bible says is going to happen? No. The reality of what's going to happen toward that time of the Great Tribulation, the judgment of this world because of their um, unrepentant heart, the things that are going to come about, you look at it and you read it and you just like, sometimes your jaw just drops open and you're like, why wouldn't they repent? Why? Why? Brother Calvert, why wouldn't they say, save me? I don't know. It's just mind blowing. Anyhow, let me give you a, a real quick rundown of me, just so that you might know. Um, I am 66 years old. I was saved when I was 13 or 14. I can't remember exactly the year, but I do remember the time and the place. I do remember the pastor's name, Pastor Johnson, and he was preaching about hell, and he was preaching to me. And I said, I don't want to go there, and I went to the altar, and I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. But I didn't live for the Lord like Pastor did. He had a life where he had to figure out what was going on. I figured out that my life and what I was living was not what God wanted me to do. And, and I ended up on the wrong side of a loaded twenty two rifle, and I said, well, this is not where I need to be. And so I got right with the Lord in Easter Sunday, 1980. Best decision I ever made. And then after that, God, in the church that I was at, because of the way that God has made me, he allowed me to do certain things. Other people can't do certain things that I can do, but I don't, I don't take that as I'm above you or proud because I, don't, I can't grow a hair on my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything that you have has been given to you. And anything that you, you have that's been given to you is supposed to be used to the glory of God. And so you can't be proud in it. All you can do is use it and then give God the glory. Like he says, if you've done that, which you're supposed to do, you're still an unprofitable servant. Why? You haven't gone beyond the normal. So we want to try to be beyond the normal. And so I started working in a church, um, um, Calvary Bible Church in uh, uh, Orchard Hills, uh, Pennsylvania, we started getting involved in the music program. I became the music director there for six years. I started teaching Sunday school, started working on the bus route, was involved highly in the soul winning program, um, was taught under Dr. Joe Boyd how to do door-to-door -door witnessing, started to get into street preaching, went to New Kensington, started to get into street preaching down there, went to uh, Harvest Baptist Church in New Kensington. Six months after that, the pastor resigned, Ted Pellick resigned. So uh, Mark Jacobs and I decided that we were going to help the church to stay. And we did. We preached for six months until we could call a pastor to come. Today, uh, Harvest Baptist Church is up on um, Miller Road going out of Trenum, and they're running about four to 500 people. Praise the Lord for that. Um, my pastor up north before I came down here is uh, Pastor Skelly. Some of you know him. 
Uh, he's a great man of God. He preaches 45 minutes. Every sermon that he preaches, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like 45 minutes. It's, he's an awesome person. And so uh, we've done, been able to do a lot of things. I came down here because God told me that I need to be with my children. They moved down here after I went through a divorce, and uh, my children came down here, so I came down here to be with my children. And God put in my heart to look into Benita Springs for some reason. He said, look in Benita Springs. There's probably a church there that you would like. And I walked through the doors, and they had a quartet singing that day, Brother Jeff Larson, and they had uh, on the backboard 150,000 missionary stickers, and that's what we had up north. And I'm like, I'm home. I didn't know there was another church like ours in all the world. And there are very few. There are very few. And so I stuck. I didn't have to go four Sundays. I said, okay, I'm, I'm here, Lord. You don't have to tell me twice. And so I've been here ever since, and, and God's opened up the doors, and we've been allowed to do many things here. But the most, uh, and the, really the most wonderful thing that I've been allowed to do is to preach junior church. Uh, Jeff Larson and Donna Larson were doing it when I got here, and I started getting involved with them. And we started teaching and preaching in junior church, and they decided they were going to retire. And, and then I basically took that over for a couple years, and Marty Moon was there, and uh, Brother Boucher was there, and we set some things up. And then um, other folks came along and got involved. Now I do at least once a month, or use, in the first five Sundays, I do it twice a month. And then Thomas is going to be gone here. Thomas is going to ducking out on us. Oh, he's going on vacation. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so we're going to be uh, getting that, uh, a little bit more of that here in the future. But I want to bring to you a message that I brought in junior worship um, because the Bible is the Bible, and it doesn't matter how old you are, the Bible and the truth of the Bible are the same. And so if you would, if you would uh, stand with me as we turn to Psalms, chapter number 100 in Psalms, and we're going to be looking at verse 19 and 20. Psalms 107, verses 19 and 20. Everybody there? Everybody with me? Let's read together out loud. Ready? Verse 19. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I do not take lightly that you've allowed me to be here and to speak to these people. Father, I don't have anything to impart to them, but the Bible does. And I pray, Father, that you would help me control my thoughts and my mind, that I might speak the word of God that you have placed in my heart, Lord, tonight, that you might bless these people and encourage them and challenge them where it's necessary. And we'll not to forget to give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. It's 6.30. Hold on to your hats. Sometimes you have to listen fast because sometimes I get carried away. I speak fast. I got to remind myself not everybody can compute how fast I speak. So, I want you to, uh, first of all, I want to recommend this book to you. Those of you who are, who are not um, foundationally secure on what kind of a, a Word of God Bible that you need to be reading, I want to verifiably tell you, and by studying this for quite some time, you need to read the King James Bible. Dr. David Soroson goes through a litany of the historical uh, studies of it. He brings to fruition the fallacies of Westcott and Hort and their manuscript and all that they brought out from the Sinaiticus and the Venaticus. The reason that they were in those garbage, garbage cans and in such good condition because they were garbage cans. 
And we're going to look at something in the scriptures tonight, and it's going to show you why those are disallowed by the Holy Spirit of God. So if you want to know and have a good understanding of why we use the King James Bible, I highly recommend Touch Not the Unclean Thing by Dr. David Sorensen. It's a very good read. So here tonight, we're going to be looking at what the Bible has done in the world today, and we're going to be looking at what we do with the Bible. What do we do with the Bible? Psalms 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Those of you who have studied the Bible know that the number seven is a, word, is a number of completion or the number of perfection. God has taken the word of God and he has tried it to its complete extent and he has found in it no impurity. The Bible is that book that we can trust on and know that it is the pure word of God. Why? Because God made it so. And so the Bible tells us here that that pure word of God in in verse number seven, it says, and thou shalt keep them, O Lord, and thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So the Bible is telling me that God's holy, pure word is going to be given to each generation. And then they're going to give it to the next generation and then they're going to give it to the next generation and the next generation. And you know what's going to happen? Those generations are going to have their faith built where they trust in the Lord their God, and their lives are going to be changed, and their children are going to know the Bible. Why? Because they've taken what they've received, and they're going to hand it down so that every generation is going to get the Bible. Now, do you see where the Sinaiticus and the Venaticus that were found in a garbage can are disallowed? They weren't used in the generation. They weren't used at all. In fact, they were probably in there for hundreds of years. And, and they were probably thrown in there because there were errors in it. Oh, oh, you think so? Yeah, if you read it, you would go, oh, that's a no-brainer. So the Bible gives us that we have the purified word of God, and that purified word of God is the King James Bible, I believe, and he's given it to us for every generation. That means God's preserved it. God has preserved it. Doc, you don't have to worry about whether or not that book is right. You know it's right because God said so. He said so. It's the Bible. The Bible is the, is the rock on our, of, of, our, of the foundation of our belief. The Bible is that which we put all of our trust on. Psalms 138, 1, and David said, And I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Praise the Lord for truth. Amen? For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Did you get that? That's why when you take this book, this is the incorrect way for you to to put books. This is the correct way for you to put books. God said, I have exalted my word all above my name. Woo! Woo! Let that sink in for a little bit. Let that ponder in your heart and bring you to a place of, is that how you're treating the word of God today? The question is, what do we do with the Bible? What do we do with the Bible? See, today, we have this magnificent book. We have the Bible, but you'll know today that this book is under a great attack. This book is despised by everybody in this world today. Satan hates this book. Why? Because he knows that in the, in the, the annals of this book is the power of salvation and the power of a transformed life. 
He knows that the gospel can get into the heart and transform you into a new and living creature with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so we have the social attack today. We have the people who, who laugh at us and mock us, and they ridicule you, and they say, you know, the Bible's full of contradictions. And you read the Bible, and that does this, and that says, what is it? Well, they have no idea. Excuse me. They have no idea what they're talking about. Let me ask you a question. Can you describe that piano from your vantage point? And can I describe that piano from my vantage point? Is that the same piano? You might describe it a little different. You might say it has black and white keys and it has a slanted board and the wood's kind of brown. And I'm looking at it going, well, that's got an overboard and it's got a flap down board. And if you lift it up, it has a sounding board. And yeah, there's a slanted board for the music, but I don't see any black and white keys. Well, that's what the Bible gives us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they give us a different perspective of those people who are eyewitnesses. They might not completely agree, but they agree enough for you to understand and know that's the truth. They give you different facets of what you're looking at. And so you need to take a Bible and put it together. Like the big one is Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. Well, God said he did it here in Genesis chapter 1. Then he said he did it here in Genesis chapter 2. Oh, you dummy, don't you know that Genesis chapter 2 is a parenthetical of Genesis chapter 1? Duh. <laughs> No, people like to ridicule. Why? They're looking for something to ridicule. They're trying to find a way to tear down the Bible. Why? Because their hearts are evil. Like it says in John chapter number number three and verse number 18 and 19, they don't come to the light because their deeds are evil. And that's the same reason that the book of Revelation was written. Why? God gave the opportunity for the second two people who were born here, Cain and Abel, to have their life before God, to live before God. Abel did a wonderful thing. He brought to the Lord an acceptable sacrifice, and Cain did not. Cain tried to bring his own religion. And what happened? Cain rose up and slew Abel. And God asked Cain, he says, where's thy brother? He says, I don't know, my brother's keeper. Yeah, you are your brother's keeper, by the way. And God gave him the opportunity to repent, and he did not, and he would not. And he said to God, thou hast driven me out this day from before thy face, a vagabond. I will be a Roman on this earth. He chose it. He chose it. And people since then, up until today, you read the book of Job, who ran after the era of Cain. The people in this world today are doing the same thing. They're running away from God. They're not running to God. And that's why he has to, to deal with them in the book of the Revelation. How they came to chapter number 13 in the end of that, and they did not repent is beyond my comprehension. And they blamed him. It's ridiculous. See, but the Bible is true. The word of God is true. You and I have the word of God. What do we do with the word of God? We have the, the political who, who don't want the Bible. It's an unwanted thing. Why? It's an extreme thing. It's a non-inclusive thing. What? You mean we won't accept some people because of their lifestyle? You better believe it, brother. I got some evidence over in the South of uh, Israel on the bottom of the Dead Sea where God said, people won't live like that because if they do, I'll burn them with fire and brimstone. And if you can't figure out what I'm talking about, you come see me and we'll have a discussion on it. God's not for that. It's an abomination to him. He didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. 
And so there are things that the political system, they don't like this book because it shows their ignorance and it shows their sin and it shows all their wickedness. And they don't like this book because it rubs them the wrong way. It's like rubbing the cat backwards. I love to do that on purpose. The cat looks at me. Don't you do that again? Did I do it again? Kitties are fun. Then he scratches. And then we have the scientific people who hate this book. And they try to shove down the throat of our boys and girls in school how that they came from nothing. No, 13.7 billion years ago. You ever, you ever figured that one out, Doc? You came from nothing. R.C. Sproul says, I can tell you a lot about nothing, and I know a lot about nothing, and I can tell you nothing can come from nothing. That's pretty smart. <laughs> right? That's pretty smart. Um. It's, it's crazy what people believe. And the, they don't believe in the supernatural. They don't, they don't believe that, that God could do it. On their website at uh, Berkeley, they have right on their whims, website that we don't, we don't take in the, the understanding of that there could be a God because it's a supernatural event. But I've looked at the definition of what they tell you, how the things came into, into being from their concept. They're all supernatural Not one of them is a natural event and can be proven by the scientific laws that we have in physics today. Not one. They're all supernatural. The the law of inflation, how you can take a a singularity point at some point and explodes and exponentially in the billion billionth of a second goes to where it is today in the universe. That's not possible. That's supernatural. They refuse to, to believe the Bible. They refuse, refuse to accept what the Bible tells us. Historically, is another one. Is it mine? You'll, you'll love this, Doc. Do you know why the archaeologists do not accept that the Israelites came out of Egypt? Because they say, and they take the scriptures, they, he, they, that the Israelites came out of Egypt in the time of Ramesses. Why? Because it talks about the city of Ramesses and Python that the children of Israel were slaves and they built those cities. But did you know, if you ever look in your Bible and you go back and read about Abraham, it talks about the cities of Ramesses in the time of Abraham. Ramesses is not a, it's a place, a place where the children of Israel would know where it was. It was not a time. And so they've gone and they've dug a, a guy by the, uh, David Roll has gone over there, and they've dug in the dirt over there, and they found under the, the city of Ramesses, which the, the historians will tell you was uh, 1200 BC, but there are other evidence coming out now, Brother, Brother Calvert, that Ramesses was an equivalent with David. Oh, that blows their theory out of the water. There's some writings over there about that. What they found under the, 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 the city of Ramesses, there's a city called Avares. And in Avares, you know what they find? They find a Semitic people who came. They flourished and multiplied exponentially like nobody's ever seen before. They became impoverished and their young died. The males died three to one more than the, than the females died. And then they disappeared. And they took their dead ones with them. <laughs> You've never been taught that. 
They don't want you to know. They don't want you to have an understanding that in 1450 BC, there was a people in the land of Egypt who came out of Egypt by the great power of God and the, and the 10 plagues that God put down on the, 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 the gods of Egypt and he destroyed all the faith of the gods of Egypt and then he destroyed the armies of Egypt because they did the same thing that Cain did. They tried to put God in their place and they found out he's too big. <laughs> He's too big. And they were destroyed. And the sea overwhelmed them. And their chariots floated up on the seashore. And, 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 and Moses and the people sang a new song. Remember? Yeah, it's a song of victory. By the way, when we get to heaven, the Bible says, and they sang a new song, glory unto the Lamb. <laughs> Woo! I don't know about you, but I can't wait, brother. You get to heaven, you start singing with the choir in heaven. And by the way, you might not be able to sing here, but I can guarantee you, God's going to give you pipes up there. You'll be able to sing. You'll be able to enjoy everything. So what do we do with this Bible? We're not historically is, 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 is laughed at, politically is, uh, uh, unwanted, scientifically is a supernatural thing. And historically, they tell us it doesn't fit. And they're lying to you. They're lying to you. So what do we do with the Bible? First of all, I want to recommend to you you just need to receive it. This is the, the word of God. You need to receive it. You just need to say, nobody's going to talk me out of it. Nobody's going to schnooker me. Nobody's going to deceive me. I believe that the Bible is the word of God, and there's nothing that you can do. Like some of the atheists you talk to. You can talk to them until you're blue in the faith. There's nothing you can do. So that's what you need to do. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause all say, Thank we God without ceasing, because when you received, let me get this paper over here, when you received the word of God which you heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which will effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the Bible here is something that we need to receive, that it is the word of God. And you and I, as believers, need to understand that we do have the word of God, and then we, we have to put our foundation on the word of God like it is the word of God, like it says in Psalms 12, 6, and 7, that it's the perfect book. I've heard people in churches say that there's contradictions in the Bible, and I'm going, what? You're a Christian? You believe that? I can read the Bible. And I can find all things that don't seemingly make sense sometimes, but you know what? I don't know everything. Do you know somebody who does? Yeah. Here's a concept. <clears throat> you and I are here for a little bit, and you're wondering when I'm going to shut up. We're only, half, we're only a, four, a third of the way through, by the way. <laughs> um, God's here, but he's not worried about this. Fact is, it's not even material to him. He's outside of that. My Sunday school class went, Mr. Miller, could you explain that? And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> it just is. There are some things you just have to believe by faith because you can't figure them out now. But you will figure them out someday because the Bible says you shall know as you are known. So, we just have to accept that the Bible is the word of God. You just have to receive it. Don't believe the experts. Don't believe the social uh, construct. Don't believe the governmental restrictions. And don't believe the scientists. 
or the historians. Why? They're lying to you, and they know it. I have a book at home um, by uh, uh, Dr. Morris, and it ha- it's a book in, his, in their own words, what they know actually is in the scientific world and what they tell you. They're two different things. That book's that thick. You can buy it and read it. It'll blow your mind. And a lot of those people are still alive today. Uh, Dawkins, he's still alive. He's still sputing off his mouth and saying things that are not true. And so don't believe it. Receive the Bible as it is the word of God. Uh, uh, don't give place to the scorners like Psalms 1-1 tells us. And, and, and you're supposed to delight in the Lord. That's how, you, that's how you fight against the scorner. You delight in the law of the Lord, Psalms 1-2. And then uh, don't follow your feelings. <laughs> Please, ladies, I'm not picking on you, but don't follow your feelings, please. Yeah. Us guys have feelings too, but they're a lot harder to bend. A little, a little bit harder to bend. I'm more of an analytical person. I like to read things and study things. You can come to my house. I have a 1,700 book library. You want to read some books? I'll, I'll point you to some ones that were very helpful. I'm more of an analytical person, though I am a lot emotional, as you can tell. <laughs> but I don't let my emotions control me. And so don't allow your emotions to control you. Believe the Bible. Don't let your feelings say, oh, where's God? Oh, where's God? He's promising. He's there. He's there. He's there. He'll show up when he wants to. He'll show up at the best time. The best time. Don't allow your feelings to lead you away from the scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. First of all, we need to receive it. Second of all, we need to heed it. It's one thing of knowing in the Bible on what to do. It's another thing in doing what you know, right? One thing of knowing what to do, it's another thing of doing what you know. And so we need to take that which we know we've been given of God and we need to put it into practice. James 1.22 says, here's that James book. (laughs) Be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straight and straightway forgetteth what manner of man that he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Do you know what's really important for somebody to hear the book of the Revelation? It'll change your life. It'll change what you do. And that's what God wants for us. He wants Christ in you. He wants to take you from you and replace you with Christ in you. That's what he wants to do. I don't know about you, but I've only heard from the scriptures a voice of God saying to an individual, I'm pleased in what you did. And that voice was directed at the Lord Jesus Christ three times. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. I've never heard that. (laughs) Doc, you ever hear that? I've never heard that. I wonder why. Could it be that Bob Miller is not pleasing? Yeah, I think that's the reason. Who is pleasing then? The time that I came to the altar and I said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. and I should, I should go to hell. I know it, Lord. I've been so bad. Save me. 
be my Savior. And Jesus came and he says, okay, I take your sins, I give you my righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm a new person. <laughs> you don't know the old Bob Miller. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't think I'm like, I know the, the new Bob Miller. <laughs> That's enough story. <laughs> but we, we need to do what the Bible tells us to do. We need to put into fruition the things that are taught. We need to be that which God wants us to be by the actions and the things that we do at work. We need to be honest workers, giving 110% when we go to work, using our minds when we're on the job, not on our cell phone. Uh-oh, didn't that gone from preaching to meddling. You know that the time that you spend with your employer is his time? And if he makes a profit off of you, praise the Lord. Why? You're going to get a pay increase. But if he doesn't make a profit off of you, he deserves to fire you. Ooh, that was tough words. Have you never read in the scripture where the Bible tells us that we're to do all things to the glory of God? To the glory of God, I work for my employer. To the glory of God, I fix elevators. I get to fix elevators. Man, somebody slapped me. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> what a... What a life. <laughs> do what God wants you to do. That man is blessed. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as ye has always obeyed, not in presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You're supposed to work your salvation, not sit on it. That means do something. That's why I like to be busy. Working 55, 60 hours a week to me is like a normal thing. Getting up 5.30 in the morning and going to bed at 10 o'clock at night is a normal thing. Other people say, well, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just do. You know why? Because I think God gave me the strength to do it. That's all. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So we need to receive it. We need to heed it. And then we need to read it. We have a board back there, and we've signed on that board back there that we can read the Bible through in a year. Maybe you read the Bible through in a year. Maybe you read the New Testament through five times, but you're reading it because it's the Word of God that makes a difference in your life. It's the Word of God that can change your life. It's the Word of God that can do what you can't do. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is where a lot of us get into problems. Why? because we don't, we don't study the Bible. And then we're confronted by people who are anti-Bible, and we can't answer them. And we're like, I don't know. You should know. You're an unfruitful servant if you can't defend the Bible that God saved you with. What do you mean, the Bible that God saved me with? Have you never read in 1 Peter 1.26, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever? Yeah, it's the word of God by which you are born again. And so you need to be a studier of the Bible. You need to be able to defend the Bible. Psalms 119, 27 says, Make me to understand thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Yeah, yeah. You say, Brother Bob, you know a lot about that book, don't you? This became the center of my life in Easter Sunday in 1980. People criticized me because I couldn't have a conversation, Doc, without bringing the Bible into it. I'm like, what's wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, I lost a lot of friends over it. 
They didn't want to hear it. John 1.14, 1 John 1.14 says, I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. You, as a Christian, need to know this book inside out, upside down, backwards, three-dimensionally, time-wise, significant numbers-wise. There's nothing about this book that you should not know. I'm, I'm sorry for yelling at you. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> My Sunday school kids, uh, or junior church kids, they can't go to sleep either. <laughs> They're scared. <laughs> he might get in front of my face. <laughs> no, you don't want that. <laughs> we need to read the Bible. We need to study the Bible. We need to know this book inside out and backwards and upside down and as much as possibly to do to know the Bible. We need to know it. We need to know it. Why? Because the last point is we need to see it. We have a lost and dying world out there that has no idea where they're going. And when they die, and the very second that they're not here anymore, they find out it's too late. I know many of you in here have unsaved loved ones just like I have. And times I'll sit at night and I'll think about that and I'll pray for them and I'll say, Lord, you've got to save them for your great name's sake. You've got to do something. And he says, yeah, go do it. <laughs> so I have. I've told a lot of my relatives about Jesus and how he is the one who can save them. And I'm going to continue to do that. We need to seed the word of God. Psalms 126.6 says, He that goeth forth bearing, weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. See, there's a fruition of the Bible. The Bible, God tells us in the Old Testament that he has sent his word forth to do that which he wants it to do, and it'll accomplish that what he sent forth for it to do. I quoted the scripture up here. Romans 10, 9, 10, 8, 9, and 10. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thine heart and in thine mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Woo! All they got to do is say, Jesus saved me. And what happens? Pow! They're saved. I mean, they have to have an understanding. Don't get me wrong. And I make sure that they have that understanding before I let them do that. But I let them do that. I don't, I don't lead them anymore. I let them do that. I learned that from Dr. Joe Boyd. He told me that a long time ago, and I didn't heed his warning. He said, you just need to, you just need to let them trust the Lord on their own. If they're ready, they'll do it. He's right. If they're ready, they'll do it. Nobody had to bend my arm whenever I got under conviction. Brother Calvert, somebody bend your arm when you got under conviction? Wasn't it a free will thing? Guess what? Every person that ever got saved was a free will thing. That's why he goes on to say, For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call free will on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to seed the word of God. How many people at work even know you're a Christian? How many people who are in your, in your neighborhood even know you're a Christian? 
Many of you, they do. Why? They see you in church every day. <laughs> Here they go again. My neighbor sits out there. <laughs> Mike, my neighbor, he sits over there. Hi, Vinny, how you doing? And I'm going out the door, and he sees me get in my truck and go to church. Doc was there this morning. You toot the horn, Vinny. He was over there watching the whole thing. He sees it every Sunday morning. It's like clockwork. It's a witness. It's a testimony. He sees there's something different. I'm not like the people down the street. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better than they are, because I am not. You know who the worst sinner in the world is? You're looking at him. And I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I agree with Paul. I'm the worst sinner in the world. Why? Because I know my sin. I don't know yours. And so we need to see the word of God. We need to be that one who is out there telling other people about the Bible. Because the Bible tells us in Mark 16, 15, it says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Have you got a kitty cat? Preach the gospel to that kitty cat. Why? Somebody who owns a dog who hates that kitty cat may be listening to you on purpose and he might get saved. That's funny, right? People are like that. You know, sometimes, pastor has this thing about cats too. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I like cats. He don't like cats. But there are people out there that hate cats. And if you like a cat, They're going to hate you because you're like a cat. And that's just strange, but it's the way it is. But if you do what the Bible says, if you you preach to every creature, and the Bible says, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. The opportunity is the choice of that individual. Are you out there seeding the word of God? And then I quoted this, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, we know that part of it. And it's because we have that personal choice but that personal choice can't come if the person doesn't know. My, 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 my coworkers know that I'm a Christian because when they get stuck with me on the job, we talk about Christian things. And I've noticed that not a lot of people end up working with me the second and third time. I can't help it. They know where I stand. My boss in the office knows where I stand. He starts going down the road of dirty jokes and all that. I say, yep, here we go again, down in the ditch, and I leave. And everybody in the shop knows why. They should know that you're like that too. Why? Because of this book. Because of this whole book. Go go back and read H.B. Carroll's book, The Trail of Blood. And think about the cost that this book has cost. Now go back to Calvary and read in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus wept as it were great drops of blood for me and for you. And he died on the cross and he shed his blood. Why? For me and for you. And for the propagation of this word. Why? So that there could be power in the gospel, like Paul said in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Woo! I'm glad he put that in there, because <laughs> I'm not a Jew. <laughs> I might not be a Greek either. I might be a mutt. <laughs> but it was for all. So we need to heed it. We need to receive it. We need to heed it. We need to read it, and we need to seed it. And I hope it's been a challenge to you tonight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing the word of God to be spoken this evening. And Lord, I give you the glory for all that will be accomplished now during this time of invitation. Pray, Father, that if you've spoken to hearts, that they will make a conscious decision to react. We ask this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. If the Lord spoke to your heart this evening on some issue, maybe it wasn't anything from the Bible that we talk about, but if the Lord spoke to your heart on any issue, I just challenge you to come and solidify if there's a decision that needs to be made. Solidify that tonight in an altar. And just tell the Lord you mean business. And everything will be good. Let's all stand together. We're going to ask Brother Jim to come and lead us a song of invitation. And you do what you have to do. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.